Hello and welcome to the Hopkins Biotech Podcast Club segment, where we share conversations that are crowdsourced by the clubs and initiatives here at Johns Hopkins. If you're interested in sharing a conversation on our platform as part of this club segment, feel free to contact us at hopkinsbiotechpodcast at gmail.com. In this episode, we share a fireside management chat conducted by Iqbal Chaudhry, Director of Education at the Johns Hopkins Graduate Consulting Club. Enjoy the episode. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Iqbal Chaudhry, and thanks for joining uh, on another episode of Fireside Management Chats. This is an event where we invite speakers from both academia and industry to chat with us about various aspects of management consulting. If you have any, uh, if you have missed previous uh, events, uh, then don't worry about it. We have all the videos uploaded in the JGCC website, and you can go and check them out whenever you are free. Uh, I'm delighted to also inform that uh, one of the events that we did uh, on February 24th with Bain has been converted into a podcast. Uh, so you can listen to that podcast uh, in the club segment in the page of Web Hopkins Biotech podcast. So they are doing some very interesting work and uh, I'm very glad that our event also got into their um, uh, setup. So two housekeeping rules, quick uh, and easy. So keep yourself muted as uh, the speaker is talking. And you, if you have any questions, you can unmute yourself and ask. Uh, let's try to make it very interactive. Or you can uh, type your uh, questions in the chat box if that is easier for you. All right, so today we have with us Vania Kao, uh, and uh, she's going to talk to us about how to make a successful career transition uh, from academia. Well, it does. Well, the title doesn't say transition to where, but it says transition from academia. So let's keep it open that way. Well, Vania is uh, just to give you a quick introduction. Vania is a startup consultant and an active advocate for women in STEM and Asian American uh, issues. Vania founded free the PhD program, which is a career support platform that helps you with job hunt courses, coaching, and an interactive, an interactive support, support community for scientists and other academically trained researchers. So welcome, Vanya, to this show <laughs> or event, whatever you want to call it, and please go ahead. Awesome. Well, thank you, everyone, for having me. Um, definitely let me know if you have any issues with the AV so we can fix it. Um, but I am really happy to be here. I'm happy to see all of you signing on and taking time to give some love to your career prospects and interests. Um, clearly, this is a consulting club, so uh, I presume that everyone here is interested in moving into either some aspect of management consulting or the business world. Um, so, you know, Iqbal did a great job of introducing all the things that I do on the side. Um, I'll just briefly also introduce my professional background just so that you know kind of where I'm coming from with the slides and the advice that I hope to provide everyone with today. Um, so basically I have a background in neuroscience, um, did my research at NIH and then transitioned into a um, startup company in Silicon Valley. So we actually created and marketed a small microscope for uh, neural imaging in uh, early stage neuroscience research. So I had the pleasure and the honor of joining a very young company and kind of seeing it grow from essentially, you know, a two person team that I was on oops, into a much larger organization today. So I had the opportunity to transition into multiple different types of, you know, business and commercialization roles within that company. 
And actually today I work for uh, Mayo Clinic on their international sales team. So I have a variety of different types of commercial and business experience. Uh, so I'm hoping to bring that perspective as well as the years of career coaching and working hand in hand with PhD students, postdocs, um, and professionals to advance your careers. Um, I really want to encourage everyone to ask questions. I want this to be an interactive session. I want this to be about you. Um, you probably have lots of sessions specifically about consulting. So since that is not necessarily my specific professional background, I wanted to actually broaden the conversation a little bit, um, especially for anyone who might be thinking about how can I really help myself stand out, right? Especially if you might be a little bit later to the game in terms of preparing yourself for being an attractive candidate for jobs. So the talk today is going to be very brief. I hope to get interrupted a lot. Um, so yeah, we will chat today about making a successful career transition from academia. So the agenda is going to be pretty straightforward. I did want to talk a little bit, just very briefly, about what makes for a successful transition out of academia, right? Um, a lot of you may have been in a research environment for a very long time, or you know, in a, in a position of scholarship. And I really wanted to just quickly break down what it means to make a successful transition. And then how we make ourselves a better or perhaps a more competitive job candidate. Right, so this is going to be a broad overview and then welcoming any specific questions that you might have on your mind about this. Another thing I wanted to touch upon is how to pitch yourself for work experience opportunities. So this is a very common challenge that we face as academics, researchers, people who may have been kind of sequestered in a niche for a very long time. It's great that you guys are all preparing yourselves by being in this club. So that's already uh, you know, a step beyond what many people do, but it actually, you know, from both being a hiring manager and helping people to successfully get jobs, I can tell you that having hands-on work experience of some kind is always going to help you stand out much better. So we'll talk about some strategies and ways to make this happen for you. And then the last aspect is basically how can you make your own luck? Right. I think if you've been doing informational interviews and networking with people, you may hear people say a lot, oh, I was lucky. And sometimes that can be frustrating. But I'm here to tell you that you can make your own luck. You can really put together the pieces so that serendipity can hit you down the road. So what does success look like? Right. And again, I think amid all the courses and the seminars and the talks, sometimes it's important to take a step back and remember why you are trying to do what you're trying to do. Because when you really believe that this is the path you want, other people will believe you more easily. The path to success is going to be scary for everyone, no matter how determined you are or how ambiguous you think that your path forward might be. So don't let that stop you from continuing to investigate whatever direction you're already going. It's also gonna look different for everyone. So everyone here may be really interested and invested in the path towards management consulting. But I can tell you that, for example, everyone may study for your case interviews, you may go off and do internships, and you, know, you may or may not get that job offer at the end of this application cycle, right? 
but that should not stop you from moving forward in your career. So it's important to think about what your plan A, plan B, plan C might look like and how you can make those happen kind of simultaneously so that you don't feel like, oh my gosh, if I don't get this job offer, if I don't get this particular path, you know, I'm a failure. That's really not how you should be thinking and not how you should be strategizing. Clearly full of unknowns, but the thing is as researchers, this is something we deal with every day. And just remember that it applies to your professional life as well as to your research world. And sometimes you don't actually know how you're gonna get the next opportunity. So for again, consulting as a career path, you probably are aware of the timelines and the things you need to do to study and you know, do really well while you're casing. But there are other things that may come out of the blue. And I really want us to talk about how you can take advantage of those. Um, and in particular, that serendipity or luck. Um, I'm glad that all of you are here as part of a club. It's easier when you're supported by other people. And hopefully you are actively building your network of advocates. Um, you know, again, hopefully through this seminar series and this fireside chat series, you're getting to learn about consulting from actual consultants who can maybe one day refer you. So certainly I think these are things that are really important to keep in mind. Um, and as you build a career, even if you're not sure this first job is the one that you want, just please rest assured that you will build on that and you, you won't get as stuck as you might feel right now uh, within academia. Things tend to be more fluid and you can build on your experiences and you can pivot again uh, outside of academia. So how can you be successful outside academia, especially during this transition period? So if these are things you haven't done before, they're going to be a little fluffy compared to say, you know, doing rigorous case um, interview practice. But I think this part is actually really important to support your psyche, sort of your mentality, your confidence, and how you come across when you're interacting with consultants, when you're actually interviewing. These are the things that you have to start working on now before you're sitting down in front of someone. So you really have to identify for yourself exactly why you want to leave, right? Because so many interview questions, so many networking questions are actually about your motivations and your motives. You need to know and be able to express those. And some of us haven't necessarily identified exactly what it is. We might be running away from something in academia, but you also want to identify what you're running to, right? And why that's important to you. It's important to be able to do this beyond the superficial level, right? So I've actually had people tell me things like, you know, oh, I, I didn't like my advisor or I, I don't like my research project and that's why I want to leave or, you know, management consulting or business sound interesting. Those are fine answers, but again, you really wanna get more explicit than that. And you wanna go beyond the superficial and have a meaningful answer you actually believe yourself. And this is really gonna help you again, feel much more confident when you sit down with people that you're gonna interview with. And then you wanna define what success means it looks like to you because it's gonna be different for everyone, right? Some people want to be in that full high powered, you know, I'm traveling all the time, I'm seeing clients 24 seven, I'm learning everything I possibly can. And for other people, they may require something different in their work-life balance, in the location of where they want to apply for. These are all very important and you need to acknowledge what is actually a priority for you. 
And then, you know, what I, again, hope to spend a little more time with everyone here today is talking about how to get some hands-on opportunities similar to what you would like to do. Um, I think like, sometimes when you're trying to juggle research and then figuring out like, how do I get business experience? Some of those things can be challenging and you might be applying for internships and not getting them, but you shouldn't stop there, right? So we need to take the initiative to pursue opportunities to get us closer to where we want to be. And then this part is actually the hardest one, right? We all have imposter syndrome. We're not sure that we actually belong X, Y, and Z uh, places outside academia. You really have to own it. You really have to believe that you belong here, that you deserve to be here. And that's how you're going to convince other people that you also deserve to be there. So these are all mentalities, but the, men, the mindset shift of, thinking of yourself not like a researcher or an academic anymore, but like a professional, it's really important. The shift is clear uh, to people who are interviewing um, when someone has actually gone through and made this happen for themselves. So how to be a better job candidate. And again, these are broad strokes, things that again, you probably have done some or all of, but for those of you who may not have hit some of these points, I wanna bring them up here. So I'm going to actually put them in a particular order. And again, these are all relatively straightforward, but you can take courses, you can read, you can do informational interviews, which is very important. And again, hopefully everyone here knows about them or has already conducted uh, informational interviews with people in the jobs you want. You can pay for or join for free different types of uh, training programs and certification programs. Clearly everyone here who wants to apply for managed consulting are going to study for case interview exams. You've already joined at least one community here, which is fantastic. Hopefully you're applying for or trying to complete internships when you have the time. Um, some people will be able to get a mentor that can guide them and then pursuing a portfolio of experiences with tangible results. So I put this in a particular order because I think this kind of follows the flow of where we try to uh, exit academia, right? We, we tend to first information gather and then we start to try and do things that we think will help us uh, exit. So the order more or less tends to be harder, right? Kind of the further down this list that you go because those things down here require more time. They require more of your effort and interaction with other people, often strangers. Um, but of course, the payoff is that they tend to be more valuable. So I've helped PhDs get jobs where they didn't have to do any of this stuff because they already had, for example, a portfolio of experiences with tangible results. And that's actually all they needed to start getting interviews and uh, job offers. Whereas, again, if uh, People have spent more of their time kind of on a little bit more solitary information gathering, which is, which is great, but they don't have this kind of action that they can talk about. They may struggle a little more or require even more time to collect these kinds of experiences. So again, even for management consulting, clearly our research background is a big benefit in terms of showing what we can do. And I think every PhD who studies can do really well on case interviewing. Um, and so what we wanna do is kind of make sure that if you haven't done certain things to help yourself become more competitive, 
in particular, I'm going to keep highlighting getting things in uh, hands-on experiences. So building a portfolio of some kind, this will really, really help you uh, move forward. Oops. So I wanted to give a little bit of advice in terms of how to pitch yourself. Um, so I don't know how many people here have done internships already or you know, have done some sort of business related experience. Um, I don't know if people can raise hands um, with the way that we have the Zoom structure today, but um, definitely something that's pretty important. Um, and then if you are unsure of where to get these kinds of opportunities, right? Sometimes you might feel like, oh, there's so many limited internships and I didn't get one. So what am I supposed to do now? So there are ways that you want to think about the skills you're trying to acquire and how you can think of projects, think of people that you can reach out to and pitch an idea, right? Pitch a project where at the end of it, you can say you gained XYZ experiences, right? So sometimes I think uh, many of us feel it must be some sort of formal internship with a formal company or organization to count. And that's not true. Um, actually in many ways, especially in consulting, I think people like to see initiative. They like to see some creativity and problem solving. And by going out and making your own opportunities, this is actually a way that you, you actually showcase that very skill set. So in terms of pitching yourself, and again, I don't know how many people here have actually tried to do this, um, but I would encourage everyone to give it a try. You want to identify some people or organizations around you, even if they don't have an open internship opportunity, for example but you can identify something that you could help them with, right? Whether that's say, if you're interested in, in marketing or commercialization, if there's a product that they have and you're like, you know, I'd love to interview some customers for them, right? I'd love to do a voice of customer study for you. You might be able to reach out to someone on their marketing team and offer to do this type of a project small projects, you can define the timeline so it doesn't take up all of your, your life. But at the end of it, you can add, you know, voice of customer interviews to your resume and you can talk about this project during interviews when you are, you know, talking to consultants. So that's just, you know, one simple example. So how do you pitch that, right? Like how, what, what do you say to someone to try and get this opportunity and make it up? So these are just some basic guidelines um, that I know works because I've used it myself and uh, other people have used it successfully as well. So the first thing is to make it easy. Make it easy for whoever you're talking to, to say yes. And remember that when you reach out as a stranger, which you may, there's all these hidden fears about like who you are, what your motivations are, are you going to be, you know, dependable? And do you know what you're talking about? So you want to think ahead about all these potential objections that the person may have when you reach out to offer something. So you may want to let them know, hey, you know, you're a graduate student or you're you know, a postdoc fellow and you're really interested in business, in particular in their type of business, in their type of product or interacting with customers like theirs, right? So really relating to them and making it easy for them to say, yeah, they get us. They know what we're about. So Maybe I can, you know, use their help. Um, the other aspect here is really knowing your audience, right? 
So again, I think many of us may try to apply for internships, especially with larger companies, with various departments there, and you know, forget about some of the smaller local businesses, for example, in our area that might really need some help and who might actually be much more willing to interact with unusual types of um, opportunities and pitches. So you'll want to know if you're gonna be pitching a very large organization versus say a small mom and pop shop, what their differences are, right? What they really care about, the differences in their priorities in the business and what their challenges may be you know, between the two. And then make sure that that is the center of your pitch. You also wanna make it personal. So it's always easier to start with warm connections. This is a kind of general no brainer. So if you have friends, family, mentors, people from your research group that have left, you wanna mind those, right? And say, hey, you know, you work for X team. Is there a business analyst project that you could use some help with, right? I'd really like to practice my statistical analysis skills. And, you know, I, I have this many hours a week, I would love to contribute to a project, right? So a lot of times these types of opportunities that you can make for yourself you just want to be explicit. You really want to say what you can offer and what kind of value that you can give to them. Um, so that's point number four, following up with specific value that you can offer. And believe me, all of you have value to offer. And I think that's one of the things I always felt like as a graduate student, like why would anyone want to talk to me? I'm just a graduate student, but that's not true. You have time, you have, again, Everyone feels like they don't have time, but you can carve out the time if you really want to. So you have time, you have energy, you have curiosity. Um, and a lot of times people are kind of jaded at work. So sometimes it's really fun to bring on someone who's new, a fresh perspective and get that help that they might really need, especially today, right? In a, in a pandemic situation where sometimes they can't afford to hire the headcount they really want. Um, the last one I think is just a general philosophy. Uh, if you do get an opportunity in the future, if someone reaches out to you with something similar, a similar request, you know, do your best to try and help out as well. So actually at this point, I would like to say, has anyone tried to pitch any opportunities? Are there internships that you're like, I didn't get it. I really wish I could figure out a way to make it happen on my own. Um, you know, I, I think this is part of what I really, really encourage every single person to pursue. Because again, applying for internships is a specific process, right? Going out there and finding an internship for yourself, that's, that's almost like, you know, starting a new project. And this process is often what people really value when they see you've done this, right? Because it's hard. It's, it's not easy. It's not straightforward. But it really, really brings a lot of uh, value and kind of forces you to get out there. So I'm actually, I just wanted to, to pause right here and say, you know, does anyone have any pitches that they're trying to do? Any people they're trying to reach? Um, any thoughts or questions that we could just discuss at the moment? And again, if not, it's totally okay. Um, I did want to just kind of give the opportunity for anyone who may be thinking about, you know, oh, I'd really like to get some, you know, whatever experience. Um, how can I get that? So I'll have a slide actually. Oh, yeah. If we have a question, feel free. I have a question. And uh, so uh, one of the most uh, 
repetitive or you can say a cliched question i have been asked during an interview is tell me about yourself yes and come on there are so many variations of answering this question like you start talking about what you like what are your passions and what are your hobbies what do you like to do what do you like to do in your free time what do you play what do you like to watch as in tv series and then you talk something about your professional life and then you talk about what you want to be mm-hmm. but uh, uh, i mean this is the approach which i have followed but i don't know if it has worked properly or not because all of those are mock interviews uh, so like could you please tell uh, how to approach this question effectively sure so that uh, notorious tell me about yourself question which i think everyone's like well what do you want to know right um so i think uh, actually if we if we look at uh, how we pitch ourselves right because every every interview question that you get asked is an opportunity to pitch yourself right um whether we think about it that way or not so when you're asked this question the first thing that i tend to think of is who is my audience right and what do they actually want to know about me so i have sat on interview panels where we ask questions because we have a very specific either concern or you know curiosity about this person and they did not answer the question right and that is very unsatisfying as an interviewer because you're really hoping to learn about that job candidate So the question tell me about yourself usually is one of the first questions that you get asked, right? It's more of an opener typically. Um so what you want to think about is okay, first of all, who's asking you this question? Maybe it's the initial phone screen, right? Those tend to be people who may be more general HR. You know, it could also be the hiring manager or it could be a consultant. Um but let's just pretend it's someone who's general. In those quest in those cases, right? They may not know the specifics of that job that you're applying for. In that case, you want to talk about things that they relate to. So, the organization, the type of um career path, right? The type of field or market that they're in. So, you'd be saying briefly that say you're a research trained, you know, professional and, you know, you're really invested in applying your research skills to X whatever it is so it could be their product line it could be their market space it could be you know whatever it is that they care about that's how i would start that questions answer um because again i wouldn't go too much into personal details at that stage again typically this is an opener question so they don't really know who you are right um you may or may not know how a personal detail is going to be interpreted at this point right typically you'll want to save a little bit more of the personal things towards the end when you've built some rapport with the person. Um so in the beginning you typically want to keep it a little bit more professional. So who you are today and often the hidden question to us behind the question of tell me about yourself is why are you leaving academia, right? They may not ask you that question explicitly, but they want to hear why you're sitting in this chair in front of them. right what is your motivation for being here and talking to me today right are you going to waste my time do you really understand what this job is about right so these are many of those hidden questions that they're going to wrap inside that sort of notorious opener um so the way that you handle it is you preemptively answer those questions right and you can talk about yourself again as a research trained professional 
you've invested a lot of time in understanding business and wanting to move into consulting because X, Y, Z. Sometimes there's a personal story there, right? Um, I can give an example, like uh, there might be a particular type of consulting you want to move into. And maybe that was something that, you know, you personally had experienced. So you can say, you know, that really inspired me. I really want to contribute back to this, you know, particular field, et cetera. That's the extent of personal answers that I would give at that stage. But again, it's answering those hidden questions of like, why am I here? Why am I going to do really well on your team in your company? Right? Those are all the hidden questions that you should hopefully hit with your answer. I don't know if that was helpful or not. Um, yeah, uh, it, it was helpful. Uh, but uh, like uh, generally this kind of the answer to such questions might go uh, like for like six or seven minutes or sometimes 10 minutes. So how long would you suggest to keep the answer to it? What should the duration? Well, so I don't know if I would go for like 10 minutes, uh, you know, talking about myself because part of what you want typically is to have uh, a conversation right? Um, again, think about it from the interviewer's perspective. They don't know any of these candidates outside of a piece of paper, right? But these are people that they're evaluating to potentially work with every day. So you don't want to come across as someone who just kind of spills out your whole life story, right? You want to be able to have a conversation with the person who you're interviewing with, ideally, so you may not go into every nitty gritty detail of your research, for example. I don't generally don't recommend that because again, your audience is not always going to know that, right? If you know that they have a similar background and they can understand your project and they might get really into it, that's one strategy, but usually that's not going to be the case. So you'll want to touch upon what you studied in your research, if it's relevant to the conversation, right? So you can say, you know, hey, I, I spent some time and I studied, you know, environmental engineering and the impact of, you know, whatever materials on, on soil composition, right? And what I'd really like to do is take those analysis skill sets and an understanding of the environment and apply them to environmental clients, right? And, you know, your company and your team is doing exactly that. And that's why I'm so invested in, in being here today, right? So those are the kind, and again, I, I would keep it brief so that the interviewer can ask you follow-up questions, right? Because then they might say, oh, you know, oh, you studied soil composition, you know, what, what kind of analyses did you do, blah, blah, right? So it becomes a more free-flowing dialogue. And I think that's what we actually want to aim for. We don't want to just, talk and talk and talk and talk and not give an opportunity to engage the other person, right? Again, in management consulting, it's a client-based service, right? It's a service. So you really need to be able to showcase how you interact with other people and make them feel heard. So that's one of the reasons why I don't recommend talking for necessarily 10 minutes straight about yourself, right? Because again, you're here because they want to know about you. So you may want to ask them what they want to know more about, right? And this way you won't kind of talk yourself into a corner. Thank you. Any other questions about introducing yourself, talking about what you can offer, value that you, know, you might want to acquire for yourself, but are not sure maybe how you can get it? 
And if not, it's totally cool. We'll just move on to the next slide and then we can uh, address other questions at the end. Uh, uh, Vania, yes. if no one has a question, I would like to take you back uh, to the slide where you were talking about success and defining yeah. success, right? Yes. So yes. that I think is a very interesting point that you touched upon a little bit. And uh, I, I have um, thought about it myself and I'm, I mean, so many of my friends, we had this conversation about it. So it's very interesting. I mean, maybe another slide back. Because it, yeah, in academia, the problem is a lot of people get out of academia for many reasons. Uh, yes. I mean, it could be a bad advisor. It could be a bad mm -hmm. project that they ended up in without knowing uh, too much about it, or you know, sometimes the rigor in academia is too much to handle. I mean, not just you have to do uh, come up with interesting ideas, but also you have you must be able to market those ideas to get funding. It's like yes. running a tiny uh, small company forever. It is. Right? <laughs> it is. So it's it's not that easy, I would say. Uh, so, uh, but then th there are some people who are academically really good. But then they also keep thinking, which has happened to me as well, about the money side, right? Because academy yeah. always doesn't give you or guarantee money. So I have had friends or I still have friends and the questions that come up in those conversations where like, I want to earn. Because, you know, when you look at someone from Wall Street with a PhD and when mm -hmm. you look at someone working for, let's say, a hardcore mechanical engineering company again with a PhD, right? So the differences in scale really bothers people because yeah. you know you you may be yeah. smarter than that guy and you still don't earn that much so the question is i want to i want to maximize or i want to um, earn to my to the maximum of my extent like how, how what, maximum to my maximum potential to, to yes, put it in the sure. right terms or i want to do research to my maximum potential with the hope that someday i'll end up with something really innovative or end up mm -hmm. with a discovery that will make a name for myself there is a lot of mm -hmm. uncertainty there right so yes. given a situation like that what is your perspective because you have to at one point in time stop and say well i have made up my mind and i'm not going to worry too much about money i'm going to take this path and see what happens mm -hmm. right yeah i mean finances and just feeling financially stable in life. Um, that is not something that I think is the strong suit of academia, right? Um, it, you're, always, you're always chasing funding, right? Um, so I think it's actually very important to be honest with yourself. You know, do you want to make a lot of money, right? Are you financially motivated? And I think this is something that we don't necessarily discuss honestly in academia. It's almost like a no-no, right? Like if, if you're you know, super money motivated, you know, why are you in research or, you know, these kinds of, like there's something about feeling like it's not a pure thing to think about, but we're all human beings, right? We all have needs. We may have families. We have lives to live. Uh, money is important. So I would say you should not pretend that money does not affect you, right? And you should not pretend that financial stability does not contribute to at least long-term satisfaction in your life. So if money is something that you are concerned about, you do need to take that into consideration, right? And actually not just finances, but I sort of briefly touched upon aspects of work-life balance, right? So there are gonna be people who burn themselves out very quickly in a very high powered, perhaps very high paying job. And then, you know, they may kind of need the next few years to recover from that. So, you know, that's, a, that's also a pay, that, that's um, an investment, I suppose you could say, 
um, that they are making. And sometimes they don't know that they're making that investment. So yeah, I think it's important to remember, you don't have to stick to what you're doing now to be successful in life, right? You don't have to continue to seek approval or acknowledgement from the same standards and guides that you do today in academia, right? When you go to Wall Street, right? The priorities and the you know, rewards and the structure, all of it's gonna be so different that you know, today when you're standing here in academia thinking, oh my gosh, you know, like what will people think of me? Once you leave this environment and go to a different environment, people care about completely different things, right? So I think sometimes when we're trying to make that decision for ourselves, we're only doing it with the perspective of our current environment, right? And we don't necessarily feel comfortable saying, you know, you know, I just, I just want to make a lot of money or I, you know, I just don't want to work this many hours anymore. Right. Um, that is a fair thing to take into account. Right. Um, and, and I'll tell you why it's because plenty of professionals do exactly the same thing when they're looking for their next job. Right. So some people will say, you know what, like I never see my family. I'm done with that. I am willing to take a pay cut to get more time with the people that matter to me. There are people who are going to say, you know what, I've spent the last 10 years traveling the world and it's been great, but I'm tired of it. And I'm going to get, you know, a, an office-based job because I don't want to travel anymore. Um, so those are all things that people worry about and prioritize all the time outside academia. So you should feel totally justified thinking about the same thing when you're in academia. If you want to make a lot of money, then you will be pursuing certain types of career paths, certain industries that may give you more of a financial return, right? And maybe a little lighter on the research side. And the thing is only you can decide if that's right for you, but it's a completely legitimate decision to make, right? No one is going to tell you that you are, you know, you can't do something because, you know, oh, in academia, like that's not how it's done or that's not valued. So I would certainly encourage you to think about what does really matter to you, right? What, what your success looks like is what's going to make you happy, right? And every person is different. Every person's situation is different. So that's kind of my answer. Yeah, no, I totally agree. So, I mean, that's what I have been doing. Uh, I mean, talking to people just to get, because it's so hard to find out let's say if I, if I um, switch to industry and I end up getting a pay scale of, let's say, eventually 200K, right? So the question is, I, I need to talk to that person who is currently doing that and find out what, what's, the, uh, what's the job satisfaction and all those things, right? Yeah. So th th this really helps. But uh, for the fence sitters, like who are not really <laughs> able to make a decision, I think people who are in computer science or uh, in uh, AI, it really makes sense because you, you don't really have to compromise a lot because industry mm -hmm. is at par with academia, right? So they are moving even faster or sometimes at the same pace. But yeah. for other fields, sometimes um, people who are, who are trying to make a name for themselves uh, in terms of, or who have a, like for me, my, I really care about if I'm making some, uh, uh, if I'm, if I'm really making make, a change or not in the field yeah, of science. Making or an impact. Right? Mm -hmm. By making an impact. And I mean, I really don't care too much about uh, having a private life that is very rich. I want to have a 
public life okay mm -hmm. so so that people even though it is let's say a thousand people in the community they know mm -hmm. me and they know me that i did something so yeah. uh, th th so having but it took me a lot of time to make that distinction and find out what really bothers me more yeah. but mm -hmm. so yeah this is what this is what my recommendation would be if anyone but people are i mean feel free to chime in and say what you really think about but i have been struggling with this for a long time but yeah and, and, you know, there are career paths where you get to be the face of a project or an organization or, right? Like, and these are things that, again, we don't really talk about from the research perspective. Uh, as an academic, we typically are evaluated based on the strength of our research and where we publish, you know, typically, you know, how novel is your discovery? How exciting is your discovery? But just remember that outside of academia, they care about different things, right? They care about efficiency. They care about um, you know logistics. They care about customer experience, right? And the thing is, those are all very human things that are personal to each one of us. So some of us hate the spotlight, and we don't want to be in front of other people. There will be career paths that make more sense for for you, where you'll be happier, right? And then for someone like you, if all where you might want to be in that spotlight and you want to make that impact, they will be kind of you know career paths or job types that you're going to be miserable in because right like no one ever sees you no one ever hears you right and then there'll be some where you're like yes like this gets me going and this motivates me to get up in the morning right yeah so those are the kinds of things that again it sounds really fluffy and very sort of soft skill based um but they actually matter a lot um what yeah. you'll see is you know, again, people who've been working and they switch jobs or they switch companies or switch organizations, there's always a personal reason in there, right? Yeah. Um, and it's not always about, you know, oh, I, you know, accomplished XYZ technical things or, you know, whatever. A lot of it's going to be about the personal happiness and satisfaction in that job. So yeah. definitely you need to and should take those into account. And maybe yeah. in the beginning, we don't know, right? And in the beginning, we just got to try it, try a job. And like I said, if you don't like it, don't freak out because you will have opportunities to turn that into a, a different position down the line. Right. Yeah. Um, I guess I Alma might, yeah, have a question yeah. or? Hi. Um, yeah, I, I have a couple of, of uh, questions that I think might be related uh, to, to the current discussion. Um, yeah. I'm not sure how directly they are <laughs> since I, I came in a little bit late. Um, but um, so right now I'm at a point where I'm getting towards the end of my of my PhD, um, and I I guess I'm more of a computational biologist. I I have done experiments in the past, um, and I, I really have a wide array of skills that I'm not necessarily always allowed to use. Mm -hmm. um, so like my concern, I thought that you know by having a a broad range of skills and being able to exercise that, I would have a kind of a more more opportunities to apply for you know many different kinds of jobs that are looking for many different kinds of skills. But mm -hmm. I find that you know in academia, uh, sometimes it's a matter of funding. You know, um, just like the PI has the fundings to do this certain thing, and so they're you know they really only want you to do this certain thing, um, and so. You know, if you don't exercise something, you might lose it or you're not able to compete with other people that are, you know, currently exercising that skill or being able to gain more experience. So I'm a little bit concerned, you know, for example, in computational biology, 
I find that a lot of people that want, you know, computational expert often want a computer scientist or a mathematician. So, I mean, does being a computational biologist actually help me get out of academia or is it making me trapped in academia because I'm not being allowed to exercise other skills? It's a great question. And I think it's a common frustration, right? Because uh, our projects are often not dictated by what we actually want to do or enjoy doing, but by exactly like you said, the funding or the direction of the science or the research, right? Which we don't always have control over. Um, that's actually why I really want to emphasize the, the self-determination component of driving where you want to go. So for example, you've mentioned being a computational biologist, being afraid that might trap you in academia. Well, I'll tell you that what the first thing I want to know is, well, what skill sets have you been exercising and what ones do you feel like are potentially going to be ones that are not only relevant maybe in academia and not so relevant for those jobs that you're really looking for, right? Have you identified specifically what those are? And so when you say people like to see computer scientists, they like to see uh, mathematicians. Well, I can tell you that, you know, if I was a computational, again, I don't know if you're saying this in relation to management consulting specifically, because I think in that case, probably it doesn't matter that much. Um, but for example, if you're also looking at opportunities to get hired in industry, for example, um, I mean, there's going to be companies that probably would value your computational bio background and knowledge and context more than say, you know, a mathematician who might know all the hard math, but may not necessarily as easily be able to figure out like what they need for their products or their assays or, you know, whatever it is they're, de they're, they're developing, right? So this actually, actually, this actually does tie into um, the next slide I was actually gonna talk about. So maybe I'll, I can answer your question as I'm talking about this slide which is figuring out your unique selling proposition, right? So this is something that, again, you probably have heard about and you know, thought about in the context of management consulting and just business consulting in general. But remember, you can do this for yourself, right? And each opportunity will be different and you will have a different USP for each, right? So let's say you wanna apply for both, you know, maybe computational biologist positions in industry and maybe management consulting. In these two cases, you will be highlighting different aspects of yourself. Um, right. And as you mentioned, you're competing with different pools of people potentially. So in those cases, you will have strengths and weaknesses that are different for each opportunity. So it's actually, you know, a really good exercise to think about, okay, well, for say consulting, right. The business skills or the math skills that they may be looking for, you might already have as a computational biologist and may not be that different compared to say what a mathematician can bring to the table. Right. Do, do you need, you know, you know, fancy, fancy math for the kinds of jobs that they do in that role? Maybe not. Right. And in that case, you don't you shouldn't be that concerned about it. Right. Instead, you should be focused on, you know, casing and like other aspects of, of being successful there. Whereas if you are applying for maybe there's a computational biologist position in a company and you think it's really cool at developing software, stuff like that, maybe there, right, a software engineer might have an edge over you if like they understand the development um, 
software development environment. Maybe they have languages that they have been coding in forever and like, you know, you are still new to that. So in those respects, you want to just be honest, like where do you stack up with the competition, right? Where can you kind of pull ahead and say, you know, I may be weaker in, you know, say software development, but I do know this, this, and this. And so that's actually part of how you focus on what types of jobs to go after first. Right. So again, if you're a computational biologist, I'd be looking at companies that deal with some sort of biology, right? Because there you're going to have an edge over even software engineers potentially, right? Depending on the kind of job and what kind of position they're going for. Um, but so basically, you know, we want to think about where am I going to have an advantage, right? Um, go for those first, right? Because I think a lot of us, we may do a very broad search for jobs and then we can apply for everything. And that gets very depressing because usually what that means is we're not that competitive for all of them, right? Then we put all this effort and time in and we hear nothing back and we're like, oh, no one wants to hire me. That's not true, right? You do need to focus down a little bit. So again, for you, I'd be focused on a specific category of positions and employers first, right? Because that's where you're going to be strongest. Um, and then again, depending on the job, right? you may want to figure out, okay, well, what do mathematicians and say, you know, software engineers have over me? Can I take some time to acquire some of those skills, right? Is there a small project I can work on on the side um, that's going to, for example, give me Python skills or, you know, help me understand the process of developing a piece of software that maybe I don't do right now, but I would like to be involved in in the future, right? So again, it can be a challenging thing to think about like, oh my God, I already have no time. But I think you'll find if you're really interested in the problem, you will find the time. <laughs> and often that's actually where you can find some of these mentors, right? So, you know, things like software engineering, data science, you know, all of these aspects, sometimes you need a little bit of guidance, right? You need some feedback from experts. And, you know, you might be surprised if you haven't reached out to these communities, how giving many people are, right, of their time. Hopefully, you know, everyone here who is interested in consulting have gotten to speak with some consultants. And I think many consultants want to give back because they know how challenging it was to get that job, right? They want to pay it forward. So it's the same thing for your case, right? If there are specific skill sets that you feel like are falling by the wayside, are becoming obsolete, right, while you're in academia, you might want to get on top of that and say, okay, well, what are people using now in the field, right? You know, maybe before it used to be Java and now it's Python, you know, whatever it is, you want to be aware of it, right? Even if you don't spend hours and hours, like, necessarily relearning something. But you want to just be aware of it because that's how you're going to be able to decide is it worth it for me to take the time to build a small project, right? Where I can then put it on my resume, right? And then I will be competitive, much more competitive than I was before. Um, you know, this is true for anything, any type of skill set. Um, I think in particular for kind of harder skill sets where you may need more effort to acquire, the, er the earlier you think about this, the better, right? Because you want to give yourself that time to, to make the decision. Um, and, you know, I, I have this horse picture here on the slide because there's a, a fun story 
uh, from Chinese history that I think really applies well to exactly your question. So it's basically this guy who's racing horses with an emperor and his horses, you know, there are three categories of horses. It was like, you know, good, average, and great. And so they both have a good, average, and great horse, but the emperors are always slightly better. So when, you know, this guy races his good horse against the emperor's good horse, he always loses. And sometimes, you know, we kind of are in that same position. So instead, he actually grabs someone who's a strategist and the guy said, okay, well, when the emperor is racing his best horse, you know, use your worst horse and deliberately lose that one. And then the horses you have left are the category above the, what, what the emperor has left. And so you're actually going to win the next two. So th the whole point is really be strategic in how you position yourself, who you're trying to compete with and what you even choose to go after. Right. Because again, there's, you know, we are not going to be everything to everyone you have specific strengths, you wanna to play to your strengths, right? And again, in research, we typically aren't trained to think this way because we're trained to go after whatever direction the research goes, right? Regardless of whether or not that's our comfort zone um, or our strengths. So the way you wanna think about pursuing jobs and again, kind of define success for yourself is be strategic, right? Now you don't have to worry about someone's grant proposal you can worry about where do I want to go? What do I want to do? How can I get there, right? You have a lot more self-determination in this process. So, you know, I think for, for your question, I would be really interested to learn like, well, what are the skills that you feel like are falling by the wayside? You know, are those things you can work on on your own? Sometimes they are and sometimes they aren't. Um, and, you know, I've actually told a few, very few PhDs that they may want to consider if they can't get like the job they want straight out of grad school, for example, because they're lacking a very specific set of skills, they cannot get outside of, you know, on their own. They may even want to consider a postdoc, right? But just to get that skill set, right? If you are doing something with a very specific reason and it's strategic, right? It's not what people might think of as like a step backwards, right? Because you are you are going after something for a reason. Um, I think this again also might speak to the whole financial aspect of like, oh, you know, should I be, should I be, you know, okay with a really low salary and blah, 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 and hope that one day I'll earn a lot? Well, it depends. Like, do you feel like this period of low earning potential is going to skyrocket you, you know, and, and advance your career quickly afterwards? If so, that's an investment you can choose to make, right? It's not like you have to necessarily uh, take a straight path. Most of the things outside academia are not, it's not a straight path, right? So you will pick and choose and make decisions based on, you know, your own personal circumstances. So yeah, I know people who ended up doing, for example, a very specific postdoc to get a very specific, you know, skill set, hands-on experience with something that then launched them in a direction they wanted to go. There's nothing wrong with that, right? Um, what's important is that you are making that decision willingly and with purpose, right? Rather than I think a lot of us end up falling into a postdoc or you know extending our research training for X number of years because we don't know what we want to do. That's where it can get a little dangerous, right? So long-winded answer, but <laughs> hopefully that was, uh, that was useful. And I guess, uh, yeah, Iqbal has a nice thought here um, in the chat as well. But you know, this is, uh, 
I think this is something that, again, we just aren't really trained to think about in academia, right? And now I want to make sure that you are thinking about this seriously, because it actually is really important. And then I talked about the audience, right? Knowing your audience and whether it's a hiring manager for an internship or for consulting interviews or some other opportunity you're pursuing. Um, just remember that they are also a human being and they have concerns. So uh, in response to that first question we had, we want to sort of psychoanalyze why they're asking us a particular question. That's often how we know how to answer, how to answer it, right? There's usually no one right answer but often there is an answer they're hoping to get from you because they're again, trying to learn about you. So there are pain points for every single opportunity out there or they would not be hiring, right? If everything is going great and they don't need help, they wouldn't be hiring. So you always wanna think about what is the pain point that is behind any type of job opportunity, right? And how well can you address that pain point? That's you know, partly how they're going to evaluate if you're a competitor. And then just also remember that sometimes making the wrong hiring decision can be more painful than just leaving that job open. Um, and again, it's because once someone's hired, right, you're joining their team. You are interacting with the people every single day and people will depend on you and vice versa. So that's, again, thinking about interview questions. Why are they asking you all these questions? Because they're trying to figure out, you know, what would it be like to work with you? Are you serious about this position? Have you done your homework? Do you really know what you're doing, right? What you're getting into? Can I put you in front of a customer, right? Very common concern, especially in consulting, right? Because again, it is a client-based service. So if you cannot professionally represent your company and your team, they might not really want to bring you on, right? So again, these are all these hidden questions based on the perspective of your audience. So just keep these in mind. So, you know, these are actually some, again, thoughts that a lot of us may have while we're trying, especially to get into a business uh, type of role or to join a business, right? And a lot of us are saying, okay, I need business experience, leadership experience, management experience, working with budgets, um, you know, maybe some sales and pitching experience, product management, time management, um, you know, helping to develop a product. And these are all things that sometimes seem very out of reach when we're in academia. But hopefully through our conversation today, you're, you're starting to think, I want you to think creatively. I want you to take the initiative, ask people how you can help them, right? And then make sure that you, you let them know you can offer value. That's the last point in my agenda, which is how you make yourself lucky. You have to go out there. Very few people get lucky by staying in and keeping to themselves, right? You have to get out there, talk to people, learn about what people need, where their fears and challenges are. And then that's how you're going to get that opportunity, that phone call out of the blue. You know, that person saying, hey, you know, you want to work for this company or my friend's hiring. You want to talk to them? Right. So these are all things that you do have within your control. It just may take some time. So, yeah, I think that takes us to the end of the uh, slides. Um, and I know, you know, we kind of addressed some questions here over the course of chatting about these things. Um, but again, this may be a little bit different from uh, your typical kind of consulting focused seminar or, or talk, but I hope that it's a refreshing way to think about, you know, how you matter in this equation, 
right? Because I think so, so many of us are like focused on the process that we just, we lose sight of what matters to us. And when, again, as a, someone who sat on many interview panels, I wanna know that the person is self-aware. I want to know that this person is purposeful about where they wanna go, right? And if you don't give yourself the time to really think about it and acknowledge it, we can tell <laughs> when you're answering interview questions, right? That you haven't really thought about it. So I, I really wanted to hopefully give you this chance to slow down a little bit if you're you know, kind of rushing and you got lots on your plate and you haven't really given yourself time to acknowledge what matters to you. Um, and I'll tell you, it really, it really, it's important. It's very important. So yeah, you, you know, you may not be able to follow your passion right away outside of academia, but you can let your preferences begin to guide you, right? And then as you go further and further, you will have more and more autonomy and ability to let that, you know, dictate where you go next. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was fantastic, uh, Banya. Thanks a lot uh, for your input. And uh, I think we had a great conversation. Uh, some of it I could, um, I, I, I posted a little bit of my thoughts on the chat box and uh, same Alma did as well. Uh, so I think it eventually boils down. I think we are out of time, but I'll just try to wrap up with one thing that I've been thinking. It eventually boils down to um, criteria that are very personal in nature, like, Yes. you know um, how much money am i going to thrive in a pressure environment or a relaxed environment or is it uh, do i like uncertainty because academia comes with uncertainty and it's yes. it's a myth that if you become a pi then you got to do you get to do what you want to do but it's not really no. true eventually yeah. it depends on funding and many other things yes. and uh, yeah and one one criteria that i have been thinking about and i think is very important is boredom because uh, a lot of people don't like repetitive work and at times in industry, uh, which are profit oriented, most of them are profit oriented, but sometimes they find a product and you have to be in the testing facility because you have become the testing guy and you keep doing the same stuff over and over again. So these are, there are plenty of things to take care, but I think the personal ones like boredom, money, and all these things matter more uh, than- They do, um, they do. And I, I do wanna offer a, a sort of add on to that thought, right? Um, I think a lot of times we also may look at, for example, industry positions and say, oh my gosh, that sounds so boring, or that sounds, you know, really repetitive. I don't want that. Often we don't actually know what it's like to be in that role though, right? And even being in that environment, you will learn so much. Mm. And what's great, I think, about building a career outside of academia is that if you, once you go to a place you, and I'm pretty sure, I'm gonna guarantee this for like pretty much all PhDs, you will learn very quickly and you may get bored faster than other people, but that's not necessarily a reason not to consider that direction. Because again, we don't have that experience yet, right? We haven't actually learned all of it yet. When you get bored though, then you can take all that rich experience you've gained and move it somewhere else, right? Mm -hmm. So just remember, you're much more mobile typically outside of academia than you are within. So you don't have to worry as much about say, like if I'm gonna be a PI and I'm gonna study this protein for 50 years, right? Like, you know, that, I hated that concept. I would be so unhappy because I, you know, I also get, get bored. Um, so just remember that, you know, it, you really do want to give yourself the opportunity to learn firsthand 
what it is like to be in that environment. And if you do get bored, right, there are ways to shift into something new and exciting again, right? Um, so, you know, try not to, to get too concerned about, you know, oh, I have to start off in the right place. Start off somewhere, right? I promise yeah. you that place is going to take you, you know, further than you might imagine. Right. And, and I totally agree that most of the experiences and expectations are, uh, I mean, biased because we are overwhelmed in an academic setup, right? So without the firsthand experience, it's very hard to say what's the extent of boredom you can endure. And exactly. <laughs> how and, and far can different. you take? It'll right. be and in a different environment. You'll have, you know, maybe you have a price for your boredom, right? Maybe yes. <laughs> there's a money, there's a dollar value to how bored you can stand but you know, then you can go do things you want to do in your personal life, right? Yeah. So again, there's there's a lot of trade-offs that we may not be able to consider fairly from our current position. But I just want to encourage you and say, you know, you don't have to worry too much about that. Um, I, I think all PhDs find ways to entertain themselves, even if they're bored at work. So I don't. Yeah. I'm not too concerned about that. <laughs> mm. Yeah, well, uh, I think we are uh, out of time, and uh, we uh, we really appreciate you take time you taking time out for us and um, helping us uh, at least one step ahead where we were an hour back. <laughs> so thanks a lot, Vanya, and um, uh, thanks a lot for being with us. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I love interacting with you know everyone who is looking forward out of the academic space. Um, I've really enjoyed my own transition. So yeah. Looking forward to seeing where you all end up. Okay. If you have any feedback, please feel free to get back. Uh, uh, reach out to me or uh, you can directly contact Vanya. She's on LinkedIn. Yep. And if you need her email ID, I can offer. Is that okay, Vanya, if I share? Absolutely. Please do. Okay. Okay. Cool. All right. Sounds great. With that, uh, I would close uh, this session and uh, I hope to see you again next week. Good luck. Thank you. Thanks. Bye, everyone. Bye.